Sometimes a thought grows within you, slowly, nurtured over time, present but latent and unrealized, until it finally blossoms and you come upon an idea which had until that point eluded you. Um, and other times, some piece of information can act more like a spark, which ignites an idea suddenly and unexpectedly. In this case, the idea that ignited inside me uh, was an intense curiosity about socialism, and the spark was a small set of details about the First World War that um, I happened to casually read about sometime in the 10th grade. Not many people I've met are as interested and enthusiastic uh, about history as I am. Uh, I'm a bit of a nerd, admittedly. But even for the layperson, the mention of the First World War generally invokes horrific images of things like mass death, incalculable violence, and the squandered potential of human life. Um, in short, not a pretty picture. Historians estimate that over 20 million human beings met their death in the few short years from the beginning of the war in 1914 until the armistice in 1918. There's a consensus that the historical trajectory of really the whole 20th century, which would see countless additional conflicts and episodes of human suffering, the legacy of which we're still living with today, um, these things were largely determined by the outcome of this war. Of all the political persuasions that were present, across the spectrum within the governments of so-called Western countries during this time, it turns out that there were only three small groups that were consistently anti-war and lobbying for peace from the very beginning of the First World War. And all three of these groups were socialists. Now, in historical hindsight, knowing the carnage and destruction that was to come, it's easy for us observers from the future to say that pacifism and de-escalation were clearly the preferred course of action that should have been taken to avoid a tragedy. But in that time period, in that context, such a position was virtually impossible within mainstream political discourse, from Democrats and Republicans to monarchists. However, this stance was common sense to these socialist groups in Germany, in Russia, and in the United States. So, so how is this possible? How was it possible? In the United States, the socialist politician Eugene Debs very publicly denounced the war effort, and for his courageous activism, he was thrown in jail. Throughout the history of the United States, the suspension of First Amendment rights have predominantly been used to suppress the free speech of socialist activists, which comes off as a total reversal, reversal of how socialism would come to be viewed during the Cold War as an anti-free speech movement. In Russia, the small party led by the revolutionary Vladimir Lenin had consistently opposed the war and in 1917 rose to power after overthrowing the absolutist regime of the Tsar. Although the story is far too detailed to enumerate here, it is clear from many primary sources from this period that the various Russian socialists were indeed dedicated to creating a constitutional and democratic form of government, perhaps more democratic than any other ever seen in the modern world. But just two years after this revolution, or rather one year, in 1918, the revolution was in 1917, uh, in 1918 the United States and 13 other Western countries invaded Russia to topple the democratic government and reinstate either the Tsarist autocracy or some form of aristocratic or military dictatorship. Um, this conflict is known as the Russian Civil War to history, but 
The truth is that these 14 industrialized Western nations, after having just fought the First World War, expended all of their resources, lost millions of their own people, decided that invading Russia and stopping this new democratic government was, well, a massive priority for them. And so in this short series of events and details that I came across in those 10th grade history books, I encountered very puzzling and contradictory facts. Um, in particular, the details of the early Russian Revolution really gnawed at me. If the United States is, as we like to repeat, the bastion of democracy and freedom, why had its government both suspended the most basic freedoms within its own borders, i.e. the First Amendment, and two, why uh, had its government intervened to destroy a democratic government that had just overthrown a monarchy in similar fashion to the founding fathers of the United States? On the back of these glaring contradictions, I was spurred to investigate the conflict between socialism and capitalism, democracy and authoritarianism um, more deeply. So moving on to actually uh, talk about the thing itself um, in, in a very general way, um, socialism itself. So in a more sympathetic perspective, I will suggest following an economic scholar by the name of Richard Wolff that socialism can be seen as basically a critical shadow that is cast by capitalism. In this sense, socialists or critics of capitalism have observed the increase in wealth inequality and the concentration of power, which have been part and parcel of capitalist economic development ever since the Industrial Revolution. And though it takes many different variations, the basic premise of socialism is to change society to combat these negative features of capitalism and typically imply a more equitable distribution of goods and services, although, of course, there are many ways that this could be achieved. So, um, although by no means the first socialist, um, pretty much any discussion of the topic has to talk about Karl Marx, who was a German uh, economist and philosopher who wrote a series of very influential criticisms of capitalism back in the mid-1800s. And these criticisms and analyses still provide the basic outline of socialist beliefs. So, keeping things simple, Marx basically analyzed how profits in a capitalist society are achieved through um, many different means, but among them, the privatization of things that were previously publicly owned and used, and the exploitation of the labor of workers by business owners. Um, but most interestingly of all, in my opinion, are his arguments about uh, these buzzwords, freedom and democracy. So Karl Marx very much envisioned a socialist society which could overcome these limitations of capitalist institutions while at the same time expanding rather than reducing freedom and democracy. Marx spent most of his life criticizing the authoritarian actions of monarchist and parliamentary governments alike, and he did not provide a blueprint for exactly how a socialist society should look. He was very much opposed to utopian and non-scientific approaches to criticizing capitalism. Um, learning this was, was sort of a shock to me because, of course, the image of socialism in, in American discourse is generally that it's it's a naive, highly utopian, you know, uh, way of thinking. So while certainly many socialists have advocated and sometimes succeeded at using government power, it's also worth mentioning that there are many others, 
who have opposed the idea of a state altogether. Um, anarchism is an ideology which is, is very often forgotten in conversations of socialism, especially in the American image of it. But anarchists have often been very prominent in the socialist movement and have provided more or less coherent criticisms of capitalist society, um, like its exclusivity of property and, um, and of profits, while also warning of the dangers of an authoritarian state. So socialists have historically have been at the forefront of many campaigns as well for social justice. Um, and these campaigns have produced real accomplishments that are today taken for granted. For example, socialists were committed abolitionists, advocates of free speech, um, and spearheaded many feminist movements. Many also of the anti-colonial democratic movements that achieved political independence throughout the 20th century had a lot of socialist participate, participants and also leaders. Um, and I would like to take a second to consider a quote from a famous historical figure. Um, so as I'm reading this quote, just sort of keep in mind the back of your head, you know, uh, you know who you think this might be or what it, what it sounds like. Um, so quote, capitalism as it exists today is, in my opinion, the real source of evils. I am convinced there is only one way to eliminate these grave evils, namely through the establishment of a socialist economy, accompanied by an educational system which would be oriented towards social goals. In such an economy, the means of production are owned by society itself and are utilized in a planned fashion." Unquote. To some, uh, this might sound like something that Joseph Stalin or, or Mao Zedong would say, but this was in fact the publicly professed belief of Albert Einstein, the genius physicist who considered, uh, many considered to be one of the most intelligent people who ever lived. Um, to take another example of a historical figure where we've kind of forgotten this side of them, Martin Luther King Jr. is today renowned for his civil rights activism to combat institutional racism. But it is far less known that he too was a professed democratic socialist and was assassinated, in fact, not during a campaign against racial discrimination, but while fighting for economic reforms that would benefit people of all races. I could go on here, but the point is that many thoughtful, intelligent, and humanitarian-minded people have advanced diverse visions for the structural reform of capitalism into something else, in other words, have advocated for socialism. So. This debate between capitalism and socialism is very complicated, and I'll address some of the points of conflict in the next episode. But the main takeaway from my journey of self-education that I've uh, you know, talked about in, uh, to the best that I can in this episode uh, has been basically that global socialism is an enormously diverse social movement. In the final episode, I'll try to reconcile the critical perceptions discussed in the first episode with the more sympathetic perspectives that I brought up in this one.